I want to welcome to Tampa, uh, performing at Side Splitters this weekend, and one of the first ever guests on the Joke World podcast, Matthew Broussard. Hello, Joke World. My name is Matthew. Nice Thank you for be being here. here. Thank you so much, yeah. dude. Picked you up at the Whole Foods and uh, got up here, bang yeah. out a podcast real quick. Yeah, I can eat my uh, salad bar with no fork. I'm just going to eat the rice uh, mm-hmm. grain by grain. That's Why do people shit on Tampa so much? See, I don't know. I didn't know that people shit on Tampa. Dude, it was is like, it a thing. <laughs> it was the punchline. You could really? just use Tampa as a punchline. Mm. There was a, a punchline for what? Like a Neil Brennan. I remember there was a Neil yeah. Brennan joke, and he was like, uh, people, people leaving negative comments on like Bach, mm. on like Beethoven. Yeah. Like this sucks, bro. And I know music. I'm from Tampa. <laughs> I remember that. And I remember okay. just like a bunch of people would use That's Tampa. It's just a. It's just like a great. Si- it yeah. Used to be Cleveland. Kind of like the bro city. Well, that's where I'm from. That's what I was going to say. I'm, yeah. I'm used to maybe people shitting on the city that I'm from yeah. with Cleveland. I mean, just yeah. take the abuse. No oh, questions yeah, I love asked. It. It's, it's almost like at least someone's talking about us, mm-hmm. you know? It, all publicity is good publicity, I guess. Yeah. You could be like, uh, somewhere, what, Minneapolis? No one even jokes about them. That's just as shitty as Cleveland. No, there's, there's, jo- there's jokes about every city. Minneapolis, fat. But the weird thing is about, Tam- I moved here eight months ago. I didn't know that was a punchline. I didn't know it was really? a joke. I've been having a fantastic time here. Yeah. If anything. But That's I never nice. thought about Tampa beforehand. Growing up in Ohio, it was just like, oh, it's in Florida, whatever. Yeah. Didn't have any really preconceived notion like, of it. Yeah. Florida is the punchline state. You oh, You just for use sure. Florida as a punchline. For anything kind of grimy or or uh, almost stupid in a way. or. I mean, Florida out man. there. Yeah. Flor- the Florida man. Yeah. I guess stupid isn't even the right word. Drugged up. Yeah. What's okay. What's the most Florida city? First thing that came to mind was Jacksonville. It oh, that's a good like answer. The word is dirty. It's like long and it's like, yeah, it has like an X sound in it. That's a good answer. That's pretty far north though, isn't it? Yeah. So which means it's more Southern. Hmm. Right. Culturally. Right. Because, it's diverse. Right. Lake city. Where's Lake, Lake city? city? Okay. I, mean, I guess I might not be the best person to even answer. I guess you're this. new, I'm yeah. I'm still learning about. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Lake City. Well, Florida is a mix, though. That's the thing yeah. that makes Florida interesting. Well, that's so funny because when I first moved here, I'm like in the downtown place. It's like beaches. Yeah, this is I'm... the bougie area we yeah. are in, right? You can't see out the window. We got a high school on a river. <laughs> it's a nice, Jesus. It's a nice little view. And I expected this to be like, Florida spring break is what I thought I was moving to. And it is like that a lot of from where I'm kind of running into, you know, I'm still going out a lot, you know, my kind of circles. But then if you drive a little too far in in the wrong direction, it turns into like the South. Like I forget that this is also Florida. Like I completely forget about that. And sometimes I'm reminded of it when I see like some some pickup trucks that are almost like touching the ground on the back with just like mm-hmm. dishwashers and stuff in the back and just like, you know, scrappers that pick up fucking shit everywhere. Like you'll see some real Florida shit every once in a while and be like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I am in oh, the yeah. South. I, during the pandemic, I drove from Atlanta to South Florida. I think I did that ride in either direction four times. Mm-hmm. Um, the billboards at the Florida Georgia line. <laughs> Yeah. Get real crazy. A yeah. lot of pro-life. Yeah. And then you'll know these if you ever made this, this road trip. Um, there's Christian signs. It's like Jesus is coming dot net. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of them and they're really old. There's like yeah. at least five of them. And we checked it out. No one owns that website currently. 
So or at least it's, it's a, someone needs to buy it and turn yeah. it into a Planned Parenthood page or something. Just have some fun That's with that. That's like such like a silver platter, an alley-oop of a, of uh. a joke. If you got a little disposable income and can buy that also, domain. Also, how old are you? How old are you that you think someone's going to see a billboard and type yeah. in a website? And the, the people that would, would do that would be so old that they don't even know how to do that. Right. It, Fucking put a QR code on it. That's, yeah. That's safer. It, it let me go. Just yeah. Go on. That's that drive. That's so funny. We went, me and my roommate drove up to uh, Nashville a few, maybe a month ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like Florida, you know, when you get in between, because Florida, you can go 50 miles over the speed limit. That's the thing in the Florida highway. And you kind of fear for your life a little bit. And no one else seems to care about their life. That's one of the, that's some crazy. That is Florida. Florida Florida is fuck you. I'm going to do me. Yeah. Yeah. And good luck. But then after that, you know, when you're in Georgia, because you, Go the speed limit because those cops snipe you and mm-hmm. the billboards get insane. The billboards are, it's not even like what they're saying. It's like they're every five yards from one yeah. another down the entire state. There's ones for like, like religious, what was it? It was like Jesus zombie. There's a, there's a crazy one. There's like Jesus a, zombie, Jesus zombie one. And it's like you can pull over to like this. Jesus Is that Rob Zombie's zombie. son? <laughs> it might be. He's he's the uh the chosen one. He's a Christian, yeah, Christian yeah. death rock. Yeah. It's it's aggressive. It is. It's the Georgia Billboard community, they don't care about they're not uh as not many restrictions. As some, yeah. What some is the most things? Ohio city? Hmm. Because hey, I this is I love to ask this question. What's mm-hmm. the most generic city in America? And my answer is Columbus, Ohio. Wow. And I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying yeah. if you wrote a sitcom there, yeah. you wouldn't have to worry about how the culture would affect right. the Right. I was going to say Columbus as in like what's, what city is like all encompasses the, the feeling of I'm in Ohio the most, but like there's so many different perspectives, I guess. Some people think it's like uh, corn and like farming, and that's not really Columbus. Mm-hmm. So I, I was kind of trying to figure out how to maybe answer that. But I guess Columbus would be a – because that's like you, – you got the college there, obviously. Big convention so, center. It's a convention, convention center. It's like the fast food capital of America or something. Like people go really? there to like test out if their fast food works. It's like a big marketing Whoa. place. So they have like Wendy's headquarters. They have like some – but as far as just like normal people go, you get the beta like, burger. You get to see what it's yeah, like before it hits the yeah, market. Yeah. yeah, all that impossible Whopper stuff. Whoa. Um. But yeah, so I guess it is just kind of a normal, normal place. But yeah. I like Cleveland because you get Lake Erie too, and that seems very Ohio to me. See, Ohio for me because I'm Cleveland's- from the north is like. Oh, uh, like Lake Erie in the summer, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I guess is not very Ohio if you talk to someone that's never been there, like what they would think. You probably wouldn't think water or like. A, Ohio a might be the most generic state. Yeah. Yeah. Very gen- There's just like Midwest, not much but, of anything going yeah. on, but also not, they're not missing too much, but there's not over mu- much. Yeah. <laughs> did you do comedy sense. in Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. In Cleveland did hilarities a few times and then. Great club. Yeah. Really good club. I performed there in 2016. I did a weekend and, um, I was staying at the hotel right across the way downtown. And on Sunday, there was a note slipped under my door. It says the RNC starts tomorrow. All hotels are sold out in the whole region for the week. Oh, you cannot yeah. extend your stay. You must, yeah, you must be yeah. out of your Evacuate room. Evacuate the premise. I was like, that is the most Republican thing yeah. you could have done. I also learned this about uh, that week when the RNC comes to town. All of the bars get to extend their closing hour to mm. four. 
because there's wow. so much partying and coke and drinking. Wow. And apparently it is busy season for male prostitutes. I mean, for female <laughs> prostitutes too. But there's a lot of like, you know, Lindsey Graham types. They're like, well, I'm going to have me a little, a little feast oh, tonight. Wow. Yeah. I had never would have thought that. Yeah. I would have thought these were some old dudes that were boring as fuck. And That's what they'd love you to think. Board. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing a great I, job. Listen, I'm sure Democrats party real hard too, but we're that just not awesome. as fun as Republicans. And that is hilarious. The only thing I remember from being there during that time was that was the year that the Cavs won the, the NBA finals and I was at the watch party in game seven when they came back from that one three lead one of the greatest nights of my life and greatest accomplishments that I've ever had was watching my team win that championship but I was yeah. I was in the everyone gets hand jobs tonight oh, it was everyone gets hand jobs that was the second busiest time for male prostitutes <laughs> <laughs> but I was in the stadium and or the the uh, arena during the watch party because during the game it was away. It was in California. And so they filled up the whole arena with fans watching on the big screen, but the court was all set up for the, for the RNC. So like the, the, it was like big stages and like they just kind of ruined the moment to be like, we're all watching the game, but then you look at the court and it's just like weird, just like set up for, for something that's not basketball. It did yeah. kind of take you out of it a little bit, not but hard. then you, you went outside afterwards and it was mayhem. A million and, people, right? Mil- yeah. Million, million people. At the parade, million people. That's one thing that people ask me about. How is the parade? Million people. Machine Gun Kelly is hanging off the. Is he from Cleveland? No. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He has a coffee shop there now. It's kind of, kind of cringy actually. It was cool at the beginning, but now girls will dress to the nines and go there and, and like take pictures like standing in like hour-long lines outside of this coffee shop and it's like one of the only bougie places in cleveland it's the only place trying to be bougie in cleveland it's the only place that isn't a fucking factory so it's just kind of weird to see like girls like in crop tops and skirts at 9 a.m just like taking the same picture 40 times to get the perfect one outside this coffee shop in cleveland ohio it's Uh. it's bizarre (laughs) But in, yeah, anyway, that parade was something that it was cool to be at, but it was miserable to actually attend. It's just something to be like, yeah, I was there. But during that day it was terrible. You couldn't move. You couldn't huh. see anything. It was, it was like fire festive championship <laughs> parades. Is Machine Gun Kelly cool? <sighs> That's a good question. Do you think he's cool? I, th- there was a, there was a timeline of no, 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 yes. N- mm, mm, mm. What was, what inspired the yes? Um, probably before this latest phase of like punk rock machine gun Kelly. Oh, sure. Like more when he was, cause I'm kind of into that whole, uh, rap genre, I'd say of music when he was doing like, um, his song Candy with like Trippy Red, that, that kind of, there was, he had a few good rap songs and some features where he was like, his whole vibe was different. It was like a little grungy, but not he was still cool. I guess I'm trying to describe maybe a cool person for where I was at my, my age. I'd say around 20 to 22 and a half. I was like, yeah, that's, that's someone that's cool. Not someone that I was like, he's so fucking cool, but he was someone that I'd be like, I wouldn't laugh at you if you were going to a machine gun Kelly concert over the last year. I'm about to turn 24 over the last year. I would Mm -hmm. say now it's like, I don't really get, I don't really get it. As much. Yeah, dude. I'm 34. That'll happen. You stop the, I don't know if you ever used a floppy drive, but there's like a thing that you can snap on it and it doesn't hold new information anymore. And that happens with your music tastes. Like you got to find a band before you're 22 or, cause I can't enjoy Machine Gun Kelly. I don't get it. It seems kind of 
sorry, buddy. Uh, sorry. If you're listening, it just it wasn't for me. It never spoke to me, and I think it was just a little too old for it. I do um, like though that he does rap Cleveland a lot, which mm-hmm. is something I can appreciate because of how much of a punchline it is. Mm-hmm. When we get one one guy to be big, it's like thank you for not acting like you never were from here. Yeah, that's cool to me. But the other thing, his music, it changed from like cool rap that I like to like this new genre of like almost asking to be depressed. Like if I'm in a good mood, why would I put on a Machine Gun Kelly song that's like kind of huh. emo in, well, in a lot of ways? That's what that music is really appealing when you're at that age. I mean, I assume you're an emo rap fan based on the name of the pod. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a, a Juice World I'm rapper, a big yeah. Juice guy. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, I guess I liked the rap version of that. Maybe not so much the, uh, the punk like so screaming. Emo of. rap. I, it, it on mathematically, of course, it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. It mixes the bravado of rap with the emotional vulnerability of emo music. Mm-hmm. I had those two things separately growing up. Yeah. They did not cross streams. And yeah. I liked, I liked from each pot. I loved Blink. I loved, I guess my rappers were like, Lil Wayne was coming up around that mm-hmm. time. So I loved, um, so there was an iteration that I got to see the beginning of, which was, I really love Kid Cudi. I discovered oh, Kid Cudi. Cleveland guy. In college. Nice. And he reps, <laughs> uh, Shaker Heights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Cleve, uh, uh, Wale, who's, who's more of like a yeah, conscious rap. Yeah. And, uh, Drake. And I discovered those guys all before I turned 24. Probably before I turned 22. That's and a I like great those guys group. Now. And I understand they're lame. I understand yeah. if you're older than me why that would seem really dorky, but I will never stop appreciating right. what they did. Yeah. Especially. Oh, and then Kanye was an iteration of that. Kanye yeah. was vulnerable in a way that rappers were afraid to be. And that was when I was in high school. And that was cool, he, man. That his was early cool. stuff. I don't know if you've been watching the doc or watched the doc, but those early like graduation the, the, the trio albums yeah i mean the trio was fucking i was i was alive for that i was i've been re-listening to that a lot recently that is vulnerable that's like not current rap of just like look how great i am you could never do this look how much money and well, there's always been like, that in rap. there's yeah there's always that and maybe that he has a few songs like that but uh, most of these are just like him talking about his actual life and just this crazy perspective on things that the wire the wire was his oh dropout God, it was his wire, when he came dude. out like no and one was, is doing that kind of no one cares about music i feel like how much he did it seems mm-hmm. like these current rappers like little baby the baby all these babies all they care about mm-hmm. is money making as much as that's many songs not new to get that's not that's new not but new. you can tell that kind of loved them it seems yeah. like like the baby if he wasn't a good rapper he would just do whatever he could to make the most amount of money mm-hmm. it seemed like Kanye if he was the worst rapper he would still be a producer he would still do whatever he could to be around music it isn't like. that so funny he seems like he loves music for music for rappers you sell out when you start caring about something other than the money. Yeah. Like, like the ground level is I'm here to get rich, fuck everything else. And the second, like, but what about artistry? Like, yeah. boo. Yeah. That is true. That's it's such funny. a reversal. And yeah. then I, there's a bit I did years ago, but yeah. Rappers go broke bragging about how rich they are and comedians get rich joking about how broke they are. Yeah. 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 It's, well, there's something that are like comedians are trying to convince you that they're, normal and uh-huh. like rappers are trying to convince you that they're they're not or something yes which is and, funny and, and rappers succeed breaking those rules whereas comedians tr- do comedians trying to be cool it will never work no i see t- i did that i see so many young comics doing that and be like you have to give up and and what a wonderful thing that you can yeah. indulge in your not coolness you well, don't have to you, fake something no one's gonna like think that y- 
no one wants to like laugh at you and you be like this cool guy that has nothing wrong with them and right. stuff. It's like, well, then you're just, you're, you're a douche, dude. You're winning at everything. Like you're being Ugh. like, look how sick I am. And now listen to me make you laugh for an hour. That doesn't even, and that's why it's harder to be Kevin Hart than in a lot of ways than it is to be maybe an unknown in a lot of ways. Dude. It isn't, but people know that you're super rich mm-hmm. and you have this different perspective that you didn't have in, in your earlier days. But I will say to that, Pete Davidson seems pretty cool and he, if he yeah. counts as a comedian. I think he cares about his jokes still. Yeah. Which goes a long way. And I think he is a fucked up person. And yeah. It, and we all know that. So it doesn't, he's, he's still, he's still got a lot cool. of pain he's to just, bear. He's just being whatever he'd be God. without comedy. Maybe. Yeah. He's not, he's not trying to be cool, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, just is. and let, here's the thing. We're talking about comedians trying to be cool and people listening are probably picturing like broy, like Jezelnik impressions. There is this on the far left side of comedy as well. Mm. There is this, it, it, it's, it's funny to see someone going up and making, I guess it's called virtue signaling, but just like making, making up stories uh, where some bigot says something yeah. and they, they one up them of like, yeah. that's also trying to be cool. I know you're fighting for a good cause. Yeah. I respect that, but like you, you need to be the punchline. You're line. just trying to be cool in a different, a new framework. People. Yeah. Yeah. That's like when framework. we'll see tweets. Well, I've Which I'm guilty of, by the way. During the Trump administration, like half of my tweets were yeah. like, "Yeah, y'all are racist." Well, then maybe you have one of I'm these tweets. That's I'm like- sure I do. Fuck, I was so I I am so sorry to everything I tweeted during the Trump administration. <laughs> it's over now. You can yeah. take a deep breath. That's the other thing, dude. Well, I got I want to get back to these kind of tweets, but people like the late night shows. I feel like they are still making Trump jokes because now they don't know what to talk about. Because four years there was a whole sector of comedy that was just like. Every week is just going to be jokes about the president. Now that's gone. I just saw, I think Jimmy Kimmel is still making Trump jokes. It's like, I thought this was over, but now that's your lane, I guess. <sighs> I saw Earthquake's new special. He made Trump jokes that were very good, but mm. it's his first special in a while. Right. So he wants yeah. to talk about it. He talked about it from the, the black perspective, yeah. from a personal perspective. It was good, but yeah. I also like, kind of I remember yourself in a way. I was like, when I moved to LA and I had heat and no, uh, no, nothing, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Just like a couple of people thought I had a chance and were, were giving me opportunities I didn't deserve, but I had the chance to work for E in some capacity. And they're like, make jokes about pop culture. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to make a joke about what CeeLo wore to the award show yeah. because it's already ridiculous. Yeah. I don't like making jokes about things that are already absurd. Like to me, great comedy is. Seinfeldian where it's like let's take something that you think is mundane mm-hmm. and see how much you can wring it out for absurdity yeah, yeah. you want to make people think how did I not think of that yes more than yes yeah exactly that makes wow sense. that was right there and no one saw it that's great to me yeah I do this every day mm-hmm. and this guy just pointed out something completely something everyone sees but that. no one notices yeah. yeah or just like a different way to think about uh, things and I feel like that is a different a style of comedy that I enjoy mm-hmm. a lot or just like starting off as maybe an open mic or you're like, I'm going to write these jokes. They're going to be more observational, mm-hmm. especially because you get five minutes usually. No mm-hmm. one knows who you are. So a personal story might not hit the same as if you're an established person, your fans are coming out. Maybe you have a podcast so people are used to hearing these intimate details about you. You can tell a story about your family, mm-hmm. or your kids or your spouse or something because people know all the characters and they know you. I've always There's thought, pre-rocks. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought I see a great special or a great joke from someone that I admire and it's a story and I'm like, man, I want to get a signature story or I want to tell jokes like that 
instead of these like setup punchline observation kind of surface level mm-hmm. jokes. But it seems like you can't start, like I just said, you guys start off building up your reputation. So how, as someone who's really gone through, maneuvered the waters, have you ever cared about being like, I want to be a storyteller? I've always wanted to be a storyteller and always failed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can, I think I've hit two or three minutes with a story, but I know that I'm, I'm kind of padding it out with observational stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the longest story I have was like the Pokemon sculpture story. Um, I like that one, but mm-hmm. I mean, Jay Larson, his, the, the, the phone call, I think it's one of my top, top five, top 10 late night sets where it's just one story about a phone call. Yeah. Uh, which please check it out. That's yeah. That's one. If you're a comedy fan. Yeah. Pl- plug some stuff. Uh, oh, we, we can do top that. Late night too. sets. Uh, Goldman states abbreviations. Number one, I think, I think Nick Vatterot has my second favorite, which is, okay. uh, I don't know what to call it. I just Google Nick Vatterot late night set. And I, I won't say what the joke is because there's one joke in it that makes it, it's already a good, it's already good stand up. And then he does something that just takes it to such a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, that prop meta comedy and, it's it's that stuff is so bad unless it's so good yeah uh i love i love rory yeah. scovel's piano set i think that was a really good one yeah so the, i think one of my favorite sets ever if we had to do favorite stand-up sets i liked a lot of the this is not happening show mm. and those are all kind of stories i love chris stefano's 9-11 story <laughs> which by the way Fuck Chris, because he put that out on like 9-11. Like he filmed it at, at, yeah. at like 9-12 or something like that. And he told the story on stage. <laughs> really? He, he just, yeah. and then he dropped it on YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? How is this so good? And yeah. Like, yeah. It's a worked out stand-up bit. He doesn't, uh-huh. he, he does it on days other than 9-11. Okay. So, yeah. That makes so sense. It doesn't diminish yeah. his ability, but I'm like, but the, thank the God this isn't just something real. viral because he's a little it's drunk. It's so and, oh. punchy. It yeah. seems so fucking in the moment. Because he, he said so that he tried good, to man. do that on like a 30-minute uh, special or something since then, mm-hmm. and, it, and it didn't hit the same because the produ- uh, the plot- – Got too many views? Or no. Well, they wanted it to be different on the network. They wanted to change some of the things. And the original video, he said he was like actually just drunk in it and didn't know that he was going to perform that night. And so yeah. there's some parts the in there where, where he's like saying some wild shit. Then he goes, I'm drunk and it's like part of how funny it, the whole thing is like it's those are the authentic moments that i guess social media it's, is giving stand-up now heisenberg's principle of comedy is that if you know a camera is on you won't perform as well mm. so that happens in new york sometimes where you do a set and like we have a tape of that and you're yeah. like that's gonna be the best clip i'll yeah. ever post because yeah. i didn't know there was a camera there and i think i think chris yeah like our conversation before yeah. this was so so funny. We were we, dude, were, we were dude, man. I can't believe we were rolling for that. Yeah. Fucking what? <laughs> for like um, an hour? No, but yeah, that that makes sense. It, it, it there's a different pressure because then sometimes it feels like like if you go up and you and you you're maybe you go by yourself to and this is where my experience is. You go by yourself. You go up. You, you're doing your set for that room and for yourself to get better at stand-up but when you go up and your maybe your buddies are there and you know one of them's going to film for you and stuff mm-hmm. then you uh, at a certain point you're you know that you're doing this for either the video mm-hmm. i'm going to post this video i'm going to rewatch the video i'm going to get a screenshot of this for my instagram of me on stage like it is it it's the different right here yeah. yeah i'm thinking about like how i'm how I'm, where they are sitting and like how I'm going to be mm-hmm. in the video. Now I'm doing stand up for a phone. Now I'm not doing it for the room and I'm not doing it for myself in a certain way. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing, but the, the clip world and all this constant sharing of stand up has obviously 
I'd say been a good thing. What do you yeah. think about that? Oh, I love that we, uh, I do miss gatekeepers to some extent because mm-hmm. there's so much mediocrity just being thrown at the internet, uh, in terms of stand up and it does diminish the product a bit, mm-hmm. but cream always rises and, um, it's fun. It's fun because I do like short jokes. I do. I think if I can get a joke out to th- two or three minutes, I'm pretty excited. If I can, if I can have one topic for four or five minutes, that feels really cool. Yeah. But sometimes I write, just write a stupid joke that stands alone that never fits in my act anywhere important, never mm-hmm. tells any deeper story or conveys any vulnerability. And I st- still like the writing and that. Yeah. What a great clip to burn. Right. What a great 35 seconds yeah. for reels. So do you, are you, so you're, you have a, um, a writing process, obviously. Do you, write things like that and go, Oh, this will be good for reels. And then when, whenever you're out next, make sure that you hit on all those or are you still going through maybe your regular sets and then finding different moments to put on reels? The latter, go about- much more the okay. latter. I don't ever write for the intention of this is for this and this is for that. I okay. just, I just throw out whatever's what I feel is funny when it comes to me mm-hmm. and maybe look through my material during the day and, and rearrange stuff and plan a set list and all that kind of stuff just yeah. to, see what comes out of it and then I'll be doing a joke for a while. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I didn't ever thought about that, but that's a good real joke. I can pull yeah. that out. It's very modular. Uh-huh. I can take that out of that joke and the joke is no weaker for it. Right. Um, the last set I did with comedy central, um, was the first set where I actually consciously designed the whole set to be fully modular where I could take out every single joke and post it by itself. Wow. Um, every, usually my goal has been the opposite. Yeah. I want five minutes where you can't tune out for, yeah. for any joke because they all builds within yeah, one right. theme or story or character. Uh, and this was like, no, it, it's good to watch through and it builds and everything's going to have an arc, but like this joke stands alone and great. If you just watch mm-hmm. that and you like it, I'm very happy. Yeah. That's a, that seems more difficult. That's by yeah, far to yeah. be like this. It's, it's when you burn one of those, one of those perfect one minute jokes, you're like, well, might be two years before I write something of that quality. Yeah. It's that short. And but, like to know that you could put it out there and it could flop completely mm-hmm. on the internet, even though it's a perfect joke, like just based on things outside of your control. But you get so many shots. You get TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, or you can put it in a late night yeah. set if it falls flat and you can keep doing it if no one watches That's it. That's true. You can. But, you can yeah. repost it a year later or six months later. I saw Chris Sevenos reposted that bit every 9-11 since it yeah. happened. Oh, the, just put it down, take it back Refractory up. period is yeah. what we call that. Yeah. Uh, how soon can you post a clip? Um, I, it's weird because I'm 10, 10 or 11 years into comedy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel that long, but the, the, when I started, late night sets were what everyone was fighting for and they could make people. You could mm-hmm. sell a show because you had a hot set. You could take off. Uh, it could, it could go viral and it was, it was about who could write five minutes that just really shines yeah. as, as a unit, as one functional piece, five minutes, whatever that's 25 punchlines, maybe that's 50 punchlines, closer, callback, all that. And now I don't see much value in that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, for, I mean, I still, I see value in that it's really fun to tell a joke like that in a room. Yeah. If, if I go up there and just try to do a bunch of 40 second jokes, I'll yeah. sputter out eventually. But if you can the value keep, of comedy is still there, but yes, of, the of, the, of the live part, right? The internet now, I mean, you look at so many great New York comedians who are already writing in that super, super short joke Smith style mm-hmm. and they're having a lot of success, which I'm very happy to see. Uh, because they have those perfect TikTok jokes. How do you think that, um, the style of, 
of New York comedians. It seems like they, they kind of all fit in the same. There, there is a style. Maybe you could put to words what it is more, but it seems like there is a style of yeah. like guys that you know were New York comedians and guys that weren't. If, if you looked at them all, not knowing anything about them, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to pick out of a line. Highly, highly dense with punchlines, uh, very modular. Some people are long form, long form storytellers, but everything, Starts and concludes mostly within a minute or two, sometimes three. Mm-hmm. Um, and L.A. and it's it's a, like I think a, a, to me a New York stand-up is someone you could read their set and know where the punchlines are okay. and maybe even laugh out loud. I call yeah. it transcript comedy mm-hmm. because the words do the work already. And that's because you're in a, you're in a bar where people's attentions are sh- spans are shorter. Mm-hmm. They're they're expecting a lot out of the show because it's New York. It costs a lot. They know yeah. this is a place where there's a lot of talent. Um, yeah. And it, it, yeah, you can't waste words. Whereas in LA, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty judgmental of, of LA just for the not having had a, a great time living there. <laughs> yeah. But I see comics who sell their character more than their words. Ooh. And, and yeah. perhaps there is a market for, I mean, some, some people that they just want to see a funny person be funny. Whereas yeah. like, I want to see well written jokes. Yeah. That, that's completely. Like that's I want to see so a singer with ama- amazing voice. I'm like I don't care the quality of the singer's voice. I want to hear a well constructed song. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of personal preference. Um, wow, that is true. It it almost like to a T seems like if I'm just thinking of New York guys off the top of my head and thinking imagining their stand up and then L A comedians off the top like, and I'm not even imagining like a real set. I'm just like picturing in my head like them on stage like what it looks like. Once Very silly, more slow and and like. Dalia was was to me is well, I'm talking the past tense. Uh, <laughs> I don't know well, why, but um, he was kind of that guy who could who could drive. If you wrote, read a transcript of his act, you'd be like, so "Yeah, where's the laugh in this portion?" Yeah. And you watch, you're like, "Oh, every oh, six seconds." Yeah, yeah, because he can say the same phrase I'm six times like, different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some crazy. Stuff I can't do arms. that. And yeah, I think that's a real skill. Um, I also think what happens. Um, is that in LA, no matter how good you are, there is much less stage time. There mm. are, you can be a successful touring comedian and be doing three or four spots a week and grateful for it. Yeah. And those are eight minute spots at a bookstore, uh, or 10 minute spots late on a weeknight at a comedy club. And I feel to really figure out the, the writing of a joke, you have to tell it a hundred times mm-hmm. to figure out, oh, that little contraction is why it's yeah. failing. One little pause. You have to do it so many times and play with it. And you're like, that super simple wording has just an iceberg underneath it of failed attempts. Mm. Um, whereas in LA, you don't get that many attempts on it. Yeah. So how do you pad out? How do you, how do you, uh, pump out the amount of material? Well, then you just overact out the joke. That makes a ton of sense. That's how you find the laughs where you are unable to write them. That environment seems like it would be, it would lead to something like, like mm-hmm. what you're saying. You gotta try harder because you get less attempts. Yeah. And, and, and let's criticize New York now. The jokes pay off in 40 seconds, but things can, can kind of just, again, like I was saying, sputter after an hour of that pacing. You need something more like that. You look at good specials. It's about half observational, and then the last 30 is something that's more connected. Mm-hmm. And then the, the beats per minute slow down, but then they're getting at something more personal, more vulnerable, that that kind of... I mean, Nanette was an example of that, and, and you can criticize Nanette, but mm-hmm. people who are fans of Hannah are uber fans because she used... Right. She, she gave up laughs per minute uh, in exchange for something more personal and bigger than just comedy. And, and now she's going to have those fans for life, too. Well, yes, fans for yeah. life. And you will never figure out how to write like that right. if you're doing 15-minute spots yeah. around New York City only. You'll never have an act like that. Well, I feel like someone beginning, though, 
like they would they would think more like a New York comic too. Like if, if you're a new like comic, that's, that's how like, you should be writing. I really want to get on stage. I'm gonna go more to like something that like Mark Norman would would mm-hmm. write than something like like Hannah or any of these storytellers. Like Theo Vaughn's a perfect example of someone that is not transcribable for laughing. No. You'd be like, this is But he's an undeniably funny person. Yeah. 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 So do you think that those or not do you think what what would your schedule be like? Let's say you're not on the road. Um, it's a regular weekday. Do you line up a spot every night, multiple spots a night? Um, how do you how do you go about kind of working out the, these materials and getting a joke to a hundred reads in New York? Um, I I just take all the spots I'm offered, which mm-hmm. usually means I like having Monday or Tuesday off. Mm-hmm. I like taking one weeknight off a of comedy. If I have an empty day, I don't look to fill it on a weekday. I'm like, that's a sign. Yeah. Um, but one, maybe two spots on a weekday. That's weekday being Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, one or two or three spots. Uh, same with Sunday. It can be a busy night. And then Saturday, Friday, Saturday, I hope I have at least two, um, up to four. And mm-hmm. if I can arrange, like if I can find a place to pop in, I'll do that. So I think I end up with usually 10, 10 to 15 spots a week. Wow. Um, What's your favorite place to uh, perform at? I love, uh, as much as I love the clubs in Manhattan and what a good feeling it is because the crowds are so fun and you're up with great comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the little bars like out in Brooklyn, the bar shows where it's 10 or 20 people. Okay. And it's a little more, uh, they're, they're more comedy savvy. They, they seem to like when you look at the notebook. They mm. seem to like the newer jokes and you get, it's just a good place yeah. to try out stuff. They understand they're on the base floor yeah. of creating something kind of with you almost. Yes. Of, they get the yeah. process because maybe they're artists, the, you know, like, uh, like, uh, musicians or something. Yeah. Uh, Cobra Club has a show called, uh, Live from Outer Space with Micah Fox, Eric Bergstrom and some other producers. I have so much fun every time I'm there. And it's a room that probably only has about, sometimes 20 sometimes maybe 40 people mm-hmm. and there's comics in the back and you can hear their laughs on certain yeah. jokes versus the front so that that's really fun to me because that's where i tend to experiment the most and how how are the clubs and your regular places in the place that you live compared to uh when you're on the road it's different uh clubs in new york well, the clubs are different from each other but right. You gotta, you gotta swing. You gotta, you gotta prove yourself immediately because it's gonna be a strong lineup in, in New York. Um, there's gonna be a lot of inside jokes I can play to. There's a lot of New York jokes. There's a lot of jokes I can only do in New York. Yeah. And I enjoy that. I yeah. enjoy a joke that only works here now. Yeah. I think the crowd, I think a crowd anywhere wants a joke. You want you to start with a joke that cannot be oh, picked up and moved to another 100%. place. Yeah. Or Whether it's crowd work with someone live. Yes. Like, yeah. Give tailor this experience so that we can tell you yeah. didn't copy paste it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can do that way better in New York since I live there. Um, every time I've been to side splitter since I've moved here, I think I've been three or four times and every single time, whether it's been Annie Letterman, Joe List, I saw Bob Kelly there. Everyone's done some sort of at the very beginning, like something specific to Tampa mm-hmm. or like Florida in general, like the Florida man or said some crazy right. stuff about. How I think every single person mentioned that like oh you guys haven't even had a pandemic here or something like that it was yeah. a very like yeah and I, every time I was like I I laughed a little more because I could tell that it was it was uh not written yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Right. everyone says that everyone, everyone goes, says it because they all get off from wherever they were from usually like California or like a stricter COVID mm-hmm. area and are like. Oh, so it yeah. just, it's normal here. Yep. It's, it's funny. Yeah. So people definitely do appreciate 
something that they knew that you just tailor came up with. Yeah. yeah. Something bespoke. Yeah. Uh, and then I try to do that on the road. On the road, I'm doing a longer set. So there's less flexibility in mm-hmm. certain ways where it's like, if I want to do my full set, I have to, there's portions of jokes I need to include. Like yeah. Extended versions. Whereas in New York, I'm only oh. doing 15. Right. So. Do you think that if people came to, so they came to see you on the road and let's say they're on a family vacation mm-hmm. to New York City and they see that you are performing at some club and they're like, oh, we saw him on the road. Let's pop in. Would they be surprised by how different the show is in the city with these tighter punchlines or, or would they just be like, oh, that was just a different type of show? That's a good question. I don't think it's that different. Mm-hmm. I think I am motivated by competition. So I will probably be like, it'll be a, it'll be a best hits compilation mm. in, in New right. York. It'll be, okay. What can, how can I make myself as funny as possible in 15 minutes and cut out any fat? Any, yeah. Yeah. And just do a really killer yeah. where it's, where it's in a full length headliner set. I'm like, let's just really explore. Uh, let's, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm saying the opposite of what I just said, but like I try to in a 50 minute set include, um, something some portion in the, in the middle where i can work on the softer stuff mm-hmm. but there has Kinda to like be book, a bookmarking yeah or where it's like great jokes something to work on if i have to if i have to if i want to close the hour on this joke then there's about 10 minutes of setup i need before uh, i get to that closer right. so it's like okay is that the light i'll right. do five minutes more of this and then i'll start a 10 minute closing joke <laughs> which feels really suffocating sometimes yeah. that makes a ton of sense yeah i guess i've never really thought about it that that mm-hmm. kind of way and so you say that when, while you're traveling around try to like customize jokes to to the different area do you think that you as a traveling headlining comedian have a better understanding maybe on just the country in general because it's part of your job to always be moving around and then also get to know something about yeah the areas to make a joke about i mean we started this episode talking about cities right yeah and yeah. i'm i don't think i'm better at it like that's that's a cocky thing to say but there are certain things i really enjoy analyzing mm-hmm. about what makes this city's culture different from this one and and as comedians we get the most wonderful polling data of why does this joke when i say this get a laugh here consistently wow. if i do this joke a hundred times in new york city it will get a laugh 91 percent of those times yeah because if we do this joke in all of florida it will get a laugh 12 percent wow, so what that's what variance so cool. we get and what is that what does that speak to and i can only hypothesize i'm not a, a yeah. scientist in this but i can speculate as to what what are the things that led to that yeah what about the what about the heat and the access to beaches and the higher concentration of people uh, what That's about these insane. non? Yeah, I've these, never thought about yeah. jokes like that. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, beyond even just the obvious of like, well, it's more Republican here. Mm-hmm. Like, w- w- yeah. what else contributes? What if to it's that? a non-political joke? What if it's the stupidest joke ever? It's mm-hmm. a joke about like fucking corn dogs or yeah. something. It has nothing to do with any sides. What experiences do all these people that live in this area with these elements and these circumstances? Why is their perspective on corn dogs so different than? Yeah. That's so cool. It's so cool to me. I mean, yeah, I love math. I love statistics. And I think that comedy, uh, the, the reason I'm drawn to it is I'm always discouraged by subjective pursuits, subjective creations, because you'll never have a quality. You'll never have someone say, this is good. This is, you can't grade it like a test, right? right. Most, most art and most entertainment. Right. Whereas comedy, we're like, I heard the sound of laughter. Instant I, I did something correct. Yeah. So how can something that is so subjective be so consistent? Right. 
And then what are the variances within that? Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. And I love, I want to figure out every city I could do. I have so many regional jokes or my Austin joke. I was just like, let's put this online. This is such a, this is such a, like, mm-hmm. you have to be from Texas to get this joke. Yeah. I put it online. It was, it was cool to see other people like related to it. Yeah. Uh, but that I have, I have three minutes on Utah that I think is wonderful and does not work even a little bit unless outside you, of Utah. Unless you're from Utah. Yeah. That's crazy. I've never thought about jokes like that. That's, that's. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, actually. And there are cheap moves, and I do this, but there are jokes you can do about cities that sound... I say, we talked about jokes being tailor-made. They can sound tailor-made, and if you're a comic, you're like, yeah, that joke works in Austin. That joke also works in Portland. That right. joke also works yeah, you can in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and there's jokes you can do in Tampa that work in all of Florida, but you can just say Tampa. Yeah. And there's jokes that work in, in like, also, Cleveland that and Detroit. Also, that in all of the South, by the way. You can use that in right. Texas. You can use that in Louisiana. Yeah. That makes... Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of knew that, but it's fine. It's still, you know, yeah, it is I'm not what judging it is. It's it. I, I do and that. It's not like people are going to be me. like, "Hey, you know, <laughs> that could also apply to Mississippi." Right. Like, <laughs> or to me, the goal, and this is my also my goal with writing roast battle jokes. This is to me what what determines a quality roast battle joke is: could you use it elsewhere? Mm. And if the answer is no, not even a little bit. I, my Utah joke, I am proud to say. Only works about yeah. Salt Lake City. Yeah. That joke would, I mean, you could slightly transfer it to Boise, but no, yeah. it works so specifically to that. And that makes me feel good. Whereas like a, a, a roast battle joke about someone being fat that I could use on any other fat person. Right. It's not very satisfying. No, because then you're just like writing a joke. You're, you could have wrote that at the, without even knowing who the roasty was. Right. It could have just been like, these are some fat jokes I wrote. And then here's some, I want something that ties together their job. Yeah. What they look like. And then me, if it can, t- if it's like, that's even better if only I could tell right. this joke. And that, so that's basically the roast battle version of going to a city and saying a joke <laughs> that only works for them. Right. It's like, I want a joke that only works for this between me and this other guy. Except that, yeah, the, the one difference being, uh, you, jokes about a cities can also complement those cities. Right. Which is another thing I have learned the hard yeah, way. I guess I'm from two of, cities where there hasn't been any compliments. Boy, when you out. shit on a city, people take it so personally. Yeah. Man, I did a joke in New Jersey where I got just chewed out by a woman afterwards, and then I wrote a whole joke defending New Jersey. <laughs> as yeah. as a result of that, I, I took it so hard that I'm like, I'm going to write three minutes about how great New Jersey yeah. is and how people should stop shitting well, on There's it. some comedians that have full-on beefs with states. Like, was Tom Segura versus Louisiana? He had that great joke about we should build a wall just around Louisiana. Yep. And people sent him, like, death threats, he said oh, about yeah. it. They and call him, like, like, racist against yeah. Cajuns. Yeah. And he did a whole bit about how stupid Cajuns are, and yeah. I'm Cajun. I'm like, yeah. solid. Like, yeah. I love. Just give us representation. Yeah. Waterboy wasn't enough. And it's a joke. And so it's a joke. Thing. But it's it's... I, I really, I, I, to a fault, love to write about regions and mm. cultures. And I also moved a lot as a kid. And I think that that was a thing for me when I was, I lived in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I just had no idea that it wasn't a big town. Yeah. I just thought this was how everyone lived. I remember I watched yeah. like John Hughes movies with like the, the quarterbacks and the cheerleaders and the uh-huh. nerds table. And I was like, well, that's not real, right? <laughs> yeah. My school is mostly, uh, like I was, I had a weird experience where I went to a magnet school and they stuck us. 
So magnet school is a very diverse program. What is a program. magnet school? If you, pay, you make a certain, I cheated. If you make a certain uh, grade on a test, you get to go to the, like the higher public school program oh, where it's okay. like, you know, more, more magnetic. Curriculum. Again, yeah, yeah uh, Athena program. But then what they do is they stick that program into the lowest scoring school because we are technically that we become students of that school and we buoy their test scores. Oh. We buoy their graduation rates, but it it's um, a oh. very tense thing because we have our own classes right in the Athena program. Oh, oh. And this was a, uh, <laughs> I'm just, this is going to sound racist, but this is the facts of the matter. The Athena program was diverse. It did a great job of pulling from every racial background. Mm-hmm. The local school, the public school we were a part of, was not. Mm. It happened to be in a city that is mostly Hispanic. It was mostly Hispanic, okay. which meant that there were plenty of Hispanic kids in the Athena program. Um, but if you were white at that school, you most likely were part of the magnet program, which oh. the kids knew. And th- this and was you a, have your own classes, but and... shared the hallways and PE class. Yeah. So I was. Uh, and PE a bullseye. class. That's a, that's a key yeah. part of the story. Yeah. I was a, I looked like a backup singer for Hanson. I had like a <laughs> blonde bowl cut. So I, I was subject to that. And there was like, there was like gangs at our middle school. Jesus. Uh, so that was what I experienced in Corpus. And then my parents, uh, my dad retired or was forced to retire because of medical things. And we, my mom wanted to live anywhere but Corpus. We moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. She stuck me in a very wealthy public school for a year, and that was John Hughes High School. That was uh, the, the football movie. players wore yeah. their their t shirts like yeah, get out of here, pig squeak. Yeah, they're mostly ca- white. They're yeah. carrying their football with them to right. class. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? This yeah. is real, and and just such a hierarchy of popularity because mm-hmm. it was such a big. I was my, also my school was small. There was no room for cliques really. Yeah, I was. I hung out with like the weird theater kids and then the math kids. Seems uh, like and, you guys were accidentally a click by yourself though. In this, yeah, in this, yeah, yeah. There were kids. It was actually it was really cool to see the the magnet kids who could hang out with the the, the local kids. Right. The, the, that took a lot of social skills to pull off. Um, but then, and then I spent a year there and it was such a culture shock for me to see that that was real. And then I got, my parents sent me to a private school that put the public school to shame in terms of wealth and pretentiousness. One thing I noticed was the public school. So you were all over the, yeah, yeah. I got to see the full gamut of, of how wealth, not, I guess I didn't see the poorest, but I got to see pretty poor to very, very rich. About how different. Well, then you get, now you have all this perspective. If you just take yourself out of those experiences of now, you know how half the country is educated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, also seeing Corpus versus Atlanta. And I went to college in Houston, which I got to live in the city, which made me realize I'd never lived in a city because mm-hmm. my college was like in. And then I lived there and then I moved to LA. And I, so at that point I was only a southerner and I'm Jewish and I come from a family that really values education. And I was kind of fed. A lot of, uh, propaganda about how the South is an uneducated, intolerant, mm-hmm. and backwards place. While so you, I, but while you were there? Yeah. Oh. My mom hated it there. So she constantly oh. was just shitting on it. And then when I moved, I figured LA would be a progressive place, more Jews, right. more and, transplants. And, and I found it to be monolithic culturally, at least LA. Right. And I found it to be less educated than Houston. And, um, and maybe more defensive of the South because Houston had NASA. Houston has the world's med- biggest medical yeah, district. Houston has uh, like all of the petrochemical engineers. Yeah. All the oils are based there. So I, w- I realized I'd been performing to really educated crowds. 
And I got to LA. I was like, oh, yeah. these are just people with film degrees. Wow. And they're all kind of, there's a, there's a base level of, I mean, I've never been to LA, so, but from what I've gathered is of pretentiousness or just like cutthroat, maybe self-centeredness out there where it's like, <laughs> it's pretty accurate. It's, it's like yeah. in Texas, and it seems to be more, there's, a, there's giving or, or just yeah. or laid back even, or just, that's, that's, just, that's interesting that you were talking about your, the crowds though, that, that you get to perform to. I love how Houston that crowds. affects it. I didn't, I didn't realize till much later how much that. And you think it's because they're at, because of their education level? Yes. And is I, that because you have to... a high level act maybe of, of like your jokes or your references? Or do you think that no matter what your act was, if you had the silliest, most nonsensical act versus the most prolific, like thought out, I'm making good points. Do you think that the education level plays into to that like from the audience or, or yeah okay. education will always or or education's bad because not everyone has access to education i think curiosity is a better word which i consider okay. a, a very high virtue that people who seek to know new things mm-hmm. rather than just uh be uh, placated by by things they already agree with and already Especially know if you're doing observational jokes if you're not curious then they're not gonna make any sense or no. it's gonna be harder for it to make sense there's cool. jokes that kill that everyone laughs, but then there's people that don't get it and they're sitting there for three, four more seconds until they're like, Oh, that's what he meant. Cause it's something just so strange. So mm-hmm. what's such a weird observation? So I would say those three, four seconds is probably your curiosity just <laughs> yeah. lagging behind almost. That is a good feeling when you tell a joke and it takes a second to click and then yeah. you get people laughing at different points. That is my favorite feeling. It's the best because the, the, world. the first people that get it. Those are like your boys. Yeah, and you're like, all right, me. now I know it wasn't dumb, at least, okay. what I said. So now I have the confidence to be like almost smug to the people falling behind. Because in their head, they might be like, that joke was... I'm assuming that they're thinking that joke was dumb. But then I'm like, you're not going to think that. If you, you know, just wait wait a, a little bit, and I'm going to change your own mind. Yeah. That's a good feeling. I and like even the feeling in a social the people, setting. The people who laugh first, like, okay, those people were with me and and seeing where the joke was going. And, and, and found I gave them enough information, and they put it together very quickly. And then there's the second wave of people who laugh who took longer to put it together. And now the first wave of laughers are realizing that other people got it slower yeah. and now they're laughing at them. at them. And now those people are laughing at themselves. So it just creates this, this, yeah, kind of this organism that's out of your control now. Yeah. Uh, that feels that great. That is nice. And then you can stoke the flame by throwing in like, Oh, some people just got it. And now your like, first guys yeah, right. are like with you more. Kind of a cheap laughing. move. Or like, Oh, you finally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think that we're probably Nathan, where are we closing on an hour here or so? 50 minutes. Um, oh, fucking 10 more minutes. Jesus Christ. We can, I, I think just cause, <laughs> yeah, cause, okay, perfect. and just cause of the wrap up, I feel like now I just got to go through with, with the closing, but thank you for, uh, letting me come steal you away from your grocery shopping for okay, a little thank bit. Thank you for showing me and, real Tampa. Oh yeah. The Holiday for Inn sure. Express. Yeah. Uh, side splitters tonight. And side then, splitters tonight. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know how long we'll hold on to this one, but just plug anything that you want. Your socials Upcoming or May 18th through 21st. Uh, I'll be making my debut at the San Francisco Punchline. Mm. Um, that's the one I'll plug for now. And then I'm okay. at Monday Punday on all my platforms. At Monday Punday. My YouTube's on stand-ups. Uh, my stand-ups on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. So now if you're like, this guy's really pretentious, let's see if his stand-ups any good. And now you're like, ha, he's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think lame so. ass jokes. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you again. Thank you so Great much, man. You. Thanks for supporting Check comedians. Out Monday, Punday for sure. Uh, all right. I don't really know how to end it, so I'll probably just cut Keep it, it crispy. off here. <laughs> thank you, man. That was fun. Oh, that, that was, was fun. fun.